One, two, three, clap. Clap. <laughs> oh, this is just, this is just. Oh. Why have I never thought of doing that? Hi, and welcome to Hey Buddy, Nice Podcast. Over there in Scotland, finding new and inventive ways to annoy me. That's Brogan Hastings. And over in Australia, getting more and more annoyed by the second it's Wayne Chopinazzi. And the idea was to like rabble on a bit as we normally do, which I kind of am now anyway. But no, the music's playing and we're going to introduce our very special guest. Uh, it is uh, Nick Tangeman, Dr. Nick from Pod Therapy. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will do my obligatory uh, correction. I am not a doctor, but we already talked about that. Disclaimer. Uh, you, disclaimer, yeah. So, um, <laughs> There's an I, asterisk. I, yes. Now... That I just have to say that. That's it. If you just want to continue yeah. calling me doctor, well, I've done my okay. due diligence. Mm-hmm. For legal purposes, you've just yeah. cleared the air a little bit, made sure exactly. that everyone listening is aware, but they're more than welcome to call you Dr. Nick. If Dr. Dre is a doctor, then I don't see why I can't be. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. I did hear he went to, what was it, seven years of rap school, didn't he? So Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, look... Um, I, I do have uh, one question to get started. Um, That's it. Okay. First of this all, I'm quick. just, I, yeah, I just <laughs> want to know, like, how's the treatment for your back going? <laughs> uh, which treatment for my back? Oh, you <laughs> know, the, from having to carry gym on pod therapy oh. <laughs> every single week. <laughs> it's funny because um, I wasn't sure if you were setting up a joke or if you were serious <laughs> because I have had some back issues. Oh, oh no! God. Now I just feel bad. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing serious. I had, um, I had like a precancerous mole that they had to cut off my back, and so I had stitches for a while. So that knocked me out because I, I, mm. I, I do a lot of working out. So that's a big part yeah. of my routine is working out, and so I had to take like. Uh, a week off from that, which turned into two weeks, but you know, who cares? Um, and then also because of, of my golf swing, I have really tight uh, lats on, on my right side and really lengthy lats on my left. And so my back yes. is not really proportionate. So I've had to go to uh, a chiropractor and I back, uh, I, I foam roll my back a lot to kind of over or to correct, uh, all of that. So, um, but you know, I'm sure carrying the show has probably <laughs> contributed quite a bit too. Um, yep. Yeah, I I know I know what muscle lats are, and Brogan knows what muscle lats are. But for for the cheese bags listening at home, where where, where are the lats found? (laughs) Um, If uh, they're they're under the, if you can see the armpit here, the back muscle right back there. Yep, that part right there. So it it basically is responsible for pulling your elbows down if they're above your head. So So if you're doing pull ups. If you're doing a lat pull down, it's that muscle right there. Yep. It's probably, it's, I, I think it's the largest muscle in your back. So yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, largest muscle in the back, pull ups and let downs. Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, so familiar, so familiar, so familiar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that, 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 we'll go straight into it. I don't care because uh, that Let's ties into to your business, uh, mentalfitpersonaltraining.com. Yes. Yep. Can you that tell is us a the, bit about it? The web address. So, um, so my background uh, as as a therapist is primarily in addiction treatment, substance use, and 
So uh, there had been. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna tell you the long story because we've got time. Yo, that's oh, fine. Yeah. Do you we've want got, Do you want a bed of music it. to play under it, or are you fine? Oh, that, no, you don't. I'll leave that up to you. You're You're the expert <laughs> on this. I'll, I'll just tell <laughs> okay. my story. It, so all right, you tell the story. <laughs> so um, what What has been kind of interesting over the last um, well, pretty much since the '80s is kind of when there was a big shift in substance use treatment because. Within the 80s, the 60s, 70s, 80s, well, even go back to like the 40s, um, the big push for treating addiction was the 12-step programs. Mm-hmm. And the 12-step programs, I don't really have any beef with them, except for the fact that um, early on, they were very shame-based. And so was treatment. So if you had a substance use problem, if you had you know alcoholism or whatever, it, the treatment for it was very shame-based and they made you feel like, you know, you're broken. There's something wrong yeah. with you, blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, you're destroying your family. And so it was kind of like this push to make you feel terrible. Yeah. And then that feeling terrible is going to then turn into you doing yeah. something about it. Like this is which, your fault kind of thing exactly. as well. Blame being, yeah. 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 And, and what has happened, what is, I, I'm, I'm doing, I'm working in this field at a very interesting time because what's happening is we're starting to understand a lot more about the brain and there's so little that we even understand about it today. But as we start learning more about how the brain functions and we're starting to realize that uh, even though something can be a personal choice, there is a biological component to who mm-hmm. becomes an addict or an alcoholic and who doesn't. And so, and also the the behavior itself actually changes the way that the brain functions, which is really interesting. And so we started changing our approach when dealing with addiction and kind of this understanding that what we're dealing with is a chronically relapsing condition. And even though it's it, it manifests itself in a person's behavior, there's a lot more biological behind it. And so it completely changed the way that we treat substance use disorder and Mm. the shame does nothing to actually help people so we kind of start you know focusing more on establishing a good good rapport and focus on kind of teaching that person how do we deal with these cravings and urges and understanding that this is going to continue to happen and you have to kind of create a lifestyle that will support ongoing recovery as opposed to just this you know shame on you way of dealing with it and so anyway, that's kind of where we are in addictions treatment. And then uh, I personally got into fitness uh, about seven years ago because um, I was going through a really nasty divorce and I just needed to get out of the house. I needed something to do. So I started going to the gym yeah. and I noticed I, I started feeling better. You know, so that's why I went because I just started feeling better about myself. And so I just continued to do it. Um, so I've been, you know, exercising regularly for for many years and then one day i'm watching tv and i think it was on like uh the learning channel or tlc which we have here in the united states which never has anything to do with learning by the way Uh, (laughs) i've only just realized now that tlc stands for the learning channel and yeah Yeah. that doesn't make sense to me from what i've seen on tlc it makes no sense uh (laughs) so i'm watching this show and it's called uh Fit to fat to fit is what it's called. And it it basically started off with this personal trainer who had this uh, idea of, you know, he had been fit and active his whole life. 
and he had been working with his clients and he couldn't understand why his clients weren't making progress. So to prove to them how easy this was, he decided that he was going to put on like 60 pounds and then lose this weight with his clients. Okay. And he learned a lot going through that process that like, oh, it's not that easy. It's, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that's really interesting, so, so basically what this show is, is it's just that. So they pair up somebody who uh, you know wants to lose weight with a personal trainer, but before the trainer can actually start working with a client, they have to gain the amount of weight that this person's supposed to lose. Or, or as much as to it as they can, and then they lose this it is, together. This is like um, uh, very method acting, isn't it? it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very much so. And Christian Bale, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he would probably be great at it. Oh yeah. Um, but but what was interesting is that every single one of them was like, oh yeah, I could do that. That would it, it'd be tough, but I could do it. You know. Mm-hmm. But what they don't realize is how the brain starts to change. You know, and so with this personal trainer, as he was going through it, like he started doing things like sneaking food, you know, he's supposed (laughs) to be losing weight. And he started like, like going back into his office and hiding and like eating pizza, you know, and, and it's just like it, 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 and it's that food that almost kind of really, it it looks a lot like addiction, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was at this point where I realized that the fitness industry and substance use are very closely related as far as treatment goes, except substance use disorder treatment is about 15 years in the future from where the fitness industry is. Wow. So then at that point, I decided like, oh, well, there's no one else really doing this work. So I already have the training as a therapist. How about I just get become a personal trainer? And then I can start kind of merging these two together, you know, and actually start you know, working with people, but doing it from a therapy informed perspective, because that's what the, the personal trainers don't have. They don't really have that understanding of how the brain works and, and how to actually motivate people when, you know, if their philosophy is that this is just a a weakness, uh, a, a, a personality flaw or, or, um, lack of, of motivation, that's not at all what it is. I mean, people are very, very motivated, but they don't give enough credit to how difficult and how challenging it really is. Yeah. So that was how I kind of came up with mental fit personal training. It's, it's, it's very interesting that the parallels are there that exist that, yeah, it's just not something I think that is thought about in that way. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, when it comes to addiction, I mean, Obviously, I assume uh, the substance itself is lending to the addiction. But then you've got people who talk about having, oh, I've got, I've got an addictive personality, and it, it, does does that come into play as well? Like, are both things sort of affecting addiction? Uh, kind of. The addictive personality thing um, doesn't. There's there's something to it, but it's not really an addictive personality mm. because addiction and personality happen in two different parts of the brain. Yeah. So they're not really connected in that sense. But I think what it is, is I think sometimes people um, have kind of this, uh, they become very hyper-focused on things, mm. right? So like for me, as an example, um, when I do something, I I do it 
full force and i just like i my brain gets on something and it just it just sticks there mm. and so um you know i jim likes to joke about this too like uh when i learned to play guitar like a lot of people you know they'll pick up the guitar and somebody will just teach them like okay here's an e chord and here's an a and here's a g and then they just like okay well that's what those chords are and on to the next thing but for me i don't learn that way so like if you show me this is an e minor chord I want to know, well, why, why is it an E minor? What makes it an E minor? Like, and so I have to learn the whole, like, I got to learn music theory in order to play. Oh, no. You know? And so, <laughs> and I think that's, that's just kind of one of those things that, you know, people get really fixated on, on certain mm-hmm. things. Um, and so that's, that, that may be part of it, but ultimately a lot of like what determines whether or not somebody becomes addicted to something is usually a, a genetic predisposition okay um or sometimes it is uh, age of onset so if uh like most i would say probably 99% of the clients that i've worked with throughout my entire career they all started using before the age of 18 like they mm-hmm. were all adolescents using drugs yeah. and that's very important because what happens is as the you know, we learn a lot in those adolescent years and towards the end of those adolescent years into the early twenties, our brain goes into what's known as synaptic pruning. So basically your brain connects all these neurons together and it's this huge web. And then what it does is it for efficiency purposes, it decides to go in there and start cutting connections. And it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, you don't need this one. You don't need this one. This one seems to be really important because it happens all the time. So we're going to keep that one. And so it starts to prioritize what to keep and what to get rid of. And so if you have been actively using it as a teenager, and so your brain thinks like, oh, well, this is really important to hold on to. It must be because we do it every day. Um, Let's hold on to that and let's start cutting other things, which is the exact reason why it's so much easier for kids to learn a second or third language than it is for an adult, right? Yeah. And so that's there's, definitely part of it as well. So those neural pathways are still, I mean, it's, they're still developing, uh, still yeah. children really. So, yeah. and then- I would say uh, the, the one big exception to that would be opiates. Because, okay, so. yeah, because I've worked with a lot of people who never touched a drug their whole life and then they go in for a knee surgery. And then after that, they're- you know, they're hooked on these opiates, pain meds. Yeah. And that, that's a, a totally different story as well with opiates. Uh, I mean, I guess it could be because if they're seeing it as, well, this is, this is my medication. It's not, it's not street drugs. I ain't getting mm-hmm. my drugs from Jimmy on the corner and a little baggie or nothing. Um, Jim yeah. side so hustle. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Jim does not prescribe. Remember, not not an actual doctor. No, sorry, Jim does. Oh wow, yeah, Jim prescribes. No wait, does Jim no, prescribe? No, he does not. No, he, does no, he not. doesn't. That'd be not a um, psychiatrist. On the like, yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Got yeah. Oh, microphone abuse. Uh, so it's there's sneaky ways for addiction and substance abuse to to get to you then even without uh those neural connections uh is is that based still on that yes this drug is addictive or it's still well this is good for me you're learning a new behavior so that is what 
keeps it up? Yeah. So there's, um, there's what we call kind of the biopsychosocial model of addiction. So there, and we call it that because you're kind of on three different levels, biologically dependent. Um, and actually dependency is probably a better word that for this than addiction, but, mm-hmm. um, biologically dependent, psychologically dependent, socially dependent. So biologically dependent, basically the opiates are a great example of that, right? Where, um, it, it, it 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 provides an effect that the body recognizes like oh i take this substance and then this thing happens we need to do this more often mm-hmm. right and so it just it, and then what happens is you take that away and then all of a sudden your body goes into withdrawal so um if this substance helps me uh relax and it kind of brings me down then my withdrawal symptoms are going to be the opposite of that which are going to be mm-hmm. ramping me up right um, vice versa, then if you're, you know, taking a, a substance like a, a cocaine or methamphetamine or something like that, that really ramps you up, um, you take that away. One of the biggest uh, withdrawal symptoms that we have to deal with is really deep depression. Um, so that's very common. So you can kind of see that opposite effect. Um, so the, the body becomes dependent on it. So um, I don't know if you've ever listened to uh, Dr. Mike and Dr. Matt, their medical podcast, but they did uh- not religiously, but I have really. heard them. Yes, yeah. <laughs> they've they've done an episode where they talk about homeostasis, and homeostasis okay. is that is your body's ability to kind of maintain that balance, right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a thermostat in your house. If you set your your house to you know seventy two degrees Fahrenheit or whatever that is in Celsius, and, <laughs> and um, <laughs> as if it's summertime, then it's gonna you know temperature is gonna ramp up, it's gonna go up, and then it's gonna click this point, this trigger point that will turn on the air conditioner, and then it'll mm-hmm. bring it back down. Gets to a, another trigger point, turns it off, and then it'll just naturally you get this kind of wave, right? I'm just gonna and have to same... stop you there. I'm just gonna have to stop yeah. you there. I know this is this is your expertise that you're telling us about, but we're talking aircon now. It's, <laughs> it's a set point. It reaches set point, and then that triggers the aircon to kick in. I, I totally forgot. That, this is your wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, worlds collide. <laughs> Uh, and I think you'll find that there's a lot to do uh, with uh, air conditioning and uh, addiction therapy, actually. Um, Probably. Yeah, the, the parallels, <laughs> uh, which uh, I, I'm actually launching a new business. It's um, Aircon Fit. Uh, I don't know how the fitness fits into it yet. Uh, but, <laughs> but I'm told that there are parallels between uh, addiction treatment, uh, substance treatment, and fitness. So I, I think I've got something. I, yes, yes, go for it. I'm going to just, yeah. I, I can't wait for this to launch and uh, <laughs> I'll help build your website if, for whatever it's worth. <laughs> did, how, did, you, did you personally build mentalfitpersonaltraining.com? Obviously I did. Look how terrible it is. <laughs> I was looking at it and it was all right. It was absolutely really? nothing wrong with it. It was my it. first attempt at, at building a website. So if you pull up the website, folks at home, mentalfitpersonaltraining.com, <laughs> you'll see some pictures up there. There's only three pictures of me on the entire website. And they just happen to be pictures that I had already in my phone. <laughs> I didn't and get any headshots or anything. <laughs> no, but I really need to. Cause like none of them are gym related. It's, it's just, <laughs> or, or workout related. It's just a picture of yeah. me. And there's one that my friend, uh, my friend Brian just cracks up every time he sees it. 
because it reminds him i don't know if you've ever seen south park do, do your girls yes. watch south park at yeah. all okay so the episode this is many years ago after the bp oil spill mm-hmm. where the oil exec starts putting out all of these uh all of these ads saying like oh we're sorry and it's always him like in a field of flowers like oh we're yeah. sorry <laughs> and then there's one there's one of him naked on a bearskin rug yeah and he's like i'm sorry <laughs> and so my friend brian every time he looks at that website he sees one picture of me and he's like that's your i'm sorry photo because it looks <laughs> you look exactly like the guy on south park on the bearskin rug yeah is it the one of you at the park or in front of the flower the painted wall the one at the park, the park yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah so the one in on the which one the contact page you're sitting this is more of your uh it's almost a come hither kind of look uh, <laughs> is that the one with the mural in the background yeah, yeah there's like a, a, okay. a wall painted with a flowery mural yeah, so that was at that was actually taken at the Velveteen Rabbit on South ah, Main at yep. the bar. Ah. Yeah, so so Laura and I went out for drinks one night, and we were just sitting there, and, and she's like, "Oh, she's always she's got an eye for photos, and so yeah. anytime she sees the situation, you know, where she wants to, she's got a good photo of me, she's always snapping photos, and mm-hmm. I try to do the same, but I don't have that same eye, so like." my photos photos of me always turn out really well and like photos of oh. her are just like she's got one <laughs> eye open kind of sideways yeah do, do you use a, a an android or an iphone i've got an android she has an iphone okay uh is it a samsung yes it is you can turn on motion photo so it records a bit before and a bit after when you hit the shutter so you can get those eyes open every time now no kidding yeah yeah see i didn't come here for tech advice but here we are you never know what you're gonna learn on this podcast yeah it's uh, always we (laughs) i've learned about about the connection between between hvac and and therapy and fitness i'm learning about cameras brogan what do you have to offer i haven't heard much from you what can you teach me i mean the problem is i have adhd I'm not officially diagnosed, but I'm 99% convinced I've got ADHD. So I don't actually know. I'm just sitting here thinking <laughs> addiction. I'm sitting here thinking this is all very familiar. Like, oh shit, this, that me, everything you're saying, I'm like, that's me. There's just one thing that Brogan is thinking of at the moment. And that is uh, a star from a 90s sitcom television series. <laughs> this episode is going out before. I know. That this is. It's called setting up the bit, Brogan. Okay, so one of the reasons I think I have ADHD is because I I do get those hyper focuses and it really does affect me to the point that I can't focus and stuff. And addictive personality, I mean, it it ain't drugs, so that's good. It's uh, sugar, chocolate and all that shite. Caffeine is a drug. Yeah, yeah. um, Pepsi Max. And there's caffeine and chocolate. Even sugar, like... You know, I mean, people go through withdrawal when they when they cut out sugar, you know, like it's and, and mm-hmm. you know, here in America, it's it's everywhere. Like you can't oh, buy yeah. anything that doesn't yeah. have sugar in it. And, Your food uh, tastes so good, though. It tastes so I good. Know, right. <laughs> it is some sweet, sweet baked bread. It's, yeah. it, it is yeah. so sugary. Yeah, it's yeah. almost candy. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Everything we have is, is just candy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
It's amazing, and I oh, miss it. But then again, your candy is not great at all. Chocolate, right? American the chocolate, chocolate is terrible. Yeah, so your candy be is fine. It. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the only it's the only issue I have with American chocolate is that it tastes shite. And yeah. but that's why I come and I bring my own personal chocolate. <laughs> the only issue I have with it is it's just fucking terrible. And all the other, that's all the other, other American candies are yeah, like mm, chef's kiss, great, love it, yeah. eat too much. Yeah, the but, sugar, sugar. I don't know, um, candy. We would call them lollies, uh, but in America, it's, it's all everything is classified as candy, whether it's chocolate yeah. or the other stuff. I, I don't know. Can, I can only call it candy. <laughs> Yeah, and the line is getting blurred between what's candy and what's not candy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like vitamin water. I mean, I, I know that vitamin water is, is, I mean, I guess sugar is a vitamin? No. What about the color no. red? Is the color red a vitamin? Uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, that, the, that's advertising practices. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, no, you're 100%. Correct. Yeah. yeah, I mean, everything is even like medications that's i i i I was let's see i'm 42 now i was probably 40 years old when i realized that the rest of the world doesn't do that yeah first time i saw doesn't advertise medication on tv i was like what (laughs) see we do but it's like basic stuff like paracetamol yeah. Uh, okay. Which which never makes sense because our brand is Panadol for paracetamol. I can't remember what it's what the equivalent is in America. It's different drug, but essentially the same exact same thing. Uh, and they they would advertise Panadol on television, and then they would advertise Panadol Rapid because it's mm-hmm. also got caffeine in it, so it, it works faster. Oh. It's like why are you going to advertise the regular Panadol if you've got this product that works better? It's like, no, I want my headache to go on just a little bit longer. It's yeah. like, <laughs> Jerry yeah, Seinfeld had a bit about that, like the yeah. whole medication extra strength. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, once you have extra strength, then like no one's doing just strength anymore. It's just all yeah. extra. It doesn't <laughs> need to yeah. exist if, it, if there's yeah. something better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it blew my mind uh, when... I realized that those advertisements were actually real and not just a thing on uh, comedic television shows. It does crack yeah. me up. Ask your doctor about it. I'm like, do people do that? <laughs> I don't know. I've never asked my doctor about a specific medication for anything. It's so strange. Hi, Doc. Um, this, this, this medication, I mean, it says that it's good for my blood pressure, but I mean, I'm the anal leakage I'm a bit concerned about. Can you fill me in a bit more? So, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, no. exactly. <laughs> but I guess, I, I don't know, I guess that works. Otherwise, they wouldn't be spending millions of dollars doing it. But it just yeah. it's so bizarre, mm. if you really think about it. Well, I mean, would... they're not spending that money on a healthcare system, so they've got to spend it on something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got to go someplace. Yeah, Medication <laughs> is <true>. healthcare, Brogan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, another thing, another thing, the price okay. of watermelons, my God. <laughs> Truth be told, I haven't purchased any watermelons lately, so I couldn't even tell you the price of watermelons. You know what's yeah, really I... interesting, though, is with all the talk of inflation, like, I know it's happening. I can mm-hmm. feel it's happening. But if somebody asks me, like, oh, what did you pay for milk last week? Like, I don't know. Like I don't, I don't know the prices of individual items that I buy. Really? No. Yeah, it's really oh. weird. There are certain so, staple items that I buy every week 
that you know i usually get um you know because i i do a lot of fitness stuff i kind of mm. live off chicken breast and so yeah you know i'll get i'll get a, a package of chicken breast and uh i could not tell you right now how much i pay for that i, wow. I just grab it and i just kind of put it in the cart um which i guess is probably you know i i need to pay more attention to stuff like that i i know what i should be spending as far as the grand yeah. total like that i already know but each right, so individual you get to the item, checkout you yeah. get to the checkout and it's uh, not over a certain amount and it's like price is right rules. It's a win. It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. good. It's like, All yeah, right. the whole entire cart fit the price that I was expecting it to be. Yeah. So that's where I noticed inflation. But individual items, I've never paid attention to. Yeah. Somebody could just mark up chicken breast to like $200. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I would not notice until I, you know, looked at the total bill. And I was like, well, yeah. that seems odd. This is a car payment. <laughs> Like it's, it, must, it must have been a heavier pack of chicken breast this week. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. I like the implication that you would kilos? continue to buy it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. oh well, it's this like, is going on my cart then. Yeah, well, I'm uh, already at the checkout. I'm not going to, yeah. you know, what am I'm I going to do? not turning around. And it's yeah. a self-checkout and it's kind of awkward to get out of because they yes. sort of barricade it off and then you got to push the cart past people. It just doesn't work. I always uh, do the self-checkout now. I have, yeah, I, I have yeah. almost no human interaction when it's I go great. to the That's the way store. it should be. Yeah, it's how I it should agree. be uh, in yeah. most situations, almost every situation. Yeah. Uh, also, for those playing at home, I paid uh, $3.95 for 1.5 liters of milk. Okay. <laughs> that's, the, that's my specific milk that I buy. For no. those playing at home, I don't buy milk uh, <laughs> and I live with my parents who do the shopping, so I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fair enough. Okay, so if you're, if you, uh, I don't know how much fast food you eat. Uh, much if any so this is actually a really good question um i know i i wasn't expecting good questions coming onto this podcast but that's a really good one uh <laughs> um, no i this is something that uh so we have uh, on pod therapy we have a pod therapy discord mm -hmm. um so we've got a discord channel one of the the channels on that is uh therafit it's called therafit yeah. And it's for a lot of our listeners who are working out or exercising, whatnot. And they like to go in there and kind of communicate with each other and kind of talk about how things are going. And I've noticed that there's a really good benefit in me talking about my struggles mm. because I spend a lot of time, you know, talking about, um, you know, here's kind of the science behind why we're doing what we're doing. And, and um, you know, here are some ways to motivate yourself. And I'm giving a lot of tips to other people. But there's a lot of value in me being able to go on there and say like, hey, I've missed the last three workouts, yeah. you know, and then them hearing like, oh, wow, that that's awesome to hear that that this is a struggle for Nick, too, mm -hmm. you know, and I think fast food is definitely one of those issues for me yeah. because for me, it all starts with me working out on a regular basis. So if I'm exercising, if I'm going to the gym when I'm supposed to be going to the gym, as I've planned out, I will eat good. I'll eat really well. If I start missing, then my diet starts to kind of fall apart. Mm. And, but it doesn't, it's not the other way around. It's not like if I'm eating well, yeah. that motivates me to go to the gym. It always starts with the behavior of going to the gym and getting on a, a regular program. Then I, the, 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 the eating patterns will just naturally follow, Right. Um, but what yeah. happens then is uh, because I'm doing personal training now, 
um, the time that I spend in the gym training other people cuts into my time that I had previously (laughs) planned for myself. And then I start missing days. And then when I start missing days, then I just kind of go into this mode where I don't prepare anymore. Mm -hmm. If I prepare for the week, I've got my meals all figured out. I know what I'm going to do. And so it's really easy for me to kind of stick to it. Um, But what tends to happen then is like today, like I haven't gone grocery shopping. I probably should have done that yesterday and I didn't. So oh, today it's, that... it's Sunday grocery today's shopping Sunday. on a Sunday. There's nothing yeah. worse. Yeah. It's, it's going to suck. Yeah, yeah. I know that for sure. Um, but if I don't, then really what happens is, you know, then, uh, then it's usually fast food, but yeah. here's the, th- here's the other really important thing that I like to talk about with my program is there's no such thing as, good food and bad food. Mm-hmm. Food is food, right? So the way that I always like to explain it to people is there's food for fuel and food for pleasure. Mm-hmm. And both are really important and both have a place in our lives. So food for fuel is basically like your body is a sports car and it needs a good uh, gasoline or petrol, as you folks call it. Yes. to be able <laughs> to be able to fuel that engine right and you got to yep. put good fuel in there for it to work and perform how it's supposed to perform so mm-hmm. there's things that you want to eat for the sake of nutrition so don't go into eating that meal with the expectation that this is going to be delicious and I'm just going to love it because that's not what this food's about this food's about fueling your body but then there's other food for pleasure that is still useful you know broken's got chocolate broken shouldn't have to stop eating chocolate right because that it sounds like that's an important part of your life right you just heard it from a doctor brogan oh i wish (laughs) i honestly wish it worked that way because i think (laughs) one of the things with that is it comes down to moderation as well absolutely Mm. and this is why yeah oh go ahead i was gonna say i i have absolutely i i am not able to do things in moderation it's uh, and my mom's my mom's say we had this conversation quite recently. I I have to go cold turkey. I am I have some chocolate here. I will be eating that, and then starting Monday I will not be eating chocolate. I will go through the three day withdrawals. It will fucking suck. <laughs> yeah. But yes. Now there's yes there there's a couple different schools of thought with this. One is kind of that that cold turkey. You've got to eliminate it altogether. Mm. Um, and some people do that, and they have a lot of success with it. For some people, they they can do it for a little bit, and then they end up falling back mm-hmm. on it because it's this idea of restricting and limiting that causes so much internal conflict and so much internal stress that mm-hmm. people can't maintain it for very long because it, it creates this form of, you know, if I do this, then I'm bad. Or I shouldn't be craving this, or I shouldn't be, you know, all of these things. And you kind of create this mindset of this ideal version of yourself that needs to be perfect. And it's never going to be perfect. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to have these weak moments and you're going to have these these times where, you know, you're, you're going to want to give into these cravings. And if now you have to deal with, not only are you eating a food that you are trying to not limit or you're trying to not to trying to eliminate not only are you eating that food but now you feel bad about yourself for doing it mm-hmm. so you've made the problem two times as as bad right and sometimes the shame and guilt is even worse for you mm-hmm. than the actual chocolate 
Yeah. Um, so the the method that I like to use with a lot of my clients is we've got two categories of food, right? The food for fuel, the food for pleasure. Mm-hmm. What we're going to do is we're going to prioritize one. Mm-hmm. We're not going to eliminate the other, but we're going to prioritize the food for fuel. So for me, what that looks like is I've got I've got a certain amount of vegetables I need to eat. And I'm not a vegetable guy. Matter of fact, growing up, I don't remember mom ever making vegetables or serving vegetables. (laughs) I really don't remember. And I know for a fact, I spent four years in college with zero vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) I I, Not even on things. Like if they put a vegetable on something I was going to eat, I would probably remove the vegetable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, green so, stuff? What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> That's gross. You got this off the ground. I'm not gonna eat that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so for me, it's all about like I prioritize the food for fuel first. I'm never gonna tell myself I can't have something. So, like for me, if I'm watching a movie, it's popcorn and MMs mm-hmm. like together. I love that that sweet and salty. You know, and I also need something that's a carbonated beverage. So, yeah. you know, I would love to have a soda with that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell myself I can't have that because then I'm depressed. And then if I'm depressed, then what the hell's the point of doing any of this? Right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be fit and and all of that and then just hate myself and hate life. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So instead, what I do is I say I tell myself, yeah, you absolutely can have that. You know, you're a grown ass man. You can have whatever you want. But first. Mm-hmm we're going to do this. So first we're going to prioritize the veggies. So -hmm. we're going to eat these vegetables first. Well, then we need to get some protein in there. So, and some, some, uh, we need to get some carbs in there as well. Um, so we're going to, we're going to do that. And then once we've done that, then later on down the road, you know, when we go to the movie, then we can have that other thing oh yeah. when you go, and, i say i'm picturing you sneaking in like baggies of vegetables and chicken oh, into no. the no. <laughs> that yeah that no. would be a bit weird those people yeah. just get punched in the throat yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i don't really mean that for you listeners at home uh but I, I will say i am not that person i will never do good that. Yeah. No. <laughs> See, we've got uh, some cinemas that have like a luxury class here where you can yeah. like order meals to your seat. And that's just, it just seems weird. We have a few of those in Vegas too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing too, is like a lot of the the restaurants um, that you go to, like I, I, I'll do the same thing. Like if we're going to go out to eat, I always try to, I, I have to include vegetables in every meal. Mm-hmm. Like I, I got to include them somehow. But I do that knowing that even the vegetables in America are candy. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, um, it's funny because like I never thought that I would be a Brussels sprouts kind of guy, but I do eat a lot of Brussels sprouts. Um, And but when I make them at home, I I understand they're not going to be amazing. They're not going to be very tasty. I've got a few recipes that I can do that make them tolerable, and that's pretty much it. Um, But like. Oh, where was I the other night where I went to, um, I, I can't remember, but it was a restaurant here in Vegas and I ordered the Brussels sprouts and I was like, oh yeah. my God, these are the most amazing things I've ever had in my life. <laughs> if you see Spado and Wolf, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They probably have them. Yeah. And it, it, but you know, it's because it was cooked in you know, like a pound of butter and yeah. <laughs> 
Should have salt fat. All, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like sprinkled with like Skittles, you know, something mm-hmm. just to make it, you know, extra tasty. When um uh Ready Rich took us to Peppermill uh on our last visit to Vegas, uh the first thing he ordered was a, a giant fruit plate. It's like awesome, whole bunch of fresh fruit with this like marshmallow sauce to pour all over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's a that's america yeah <laughs> the funniest thing i think about american food though is i don't put on weight when i go to america mm. i don't lose weight but i don't gain weight until i come back but also when you come to america that. you're busy exactly that's true i mean yeah, you, yeah you got your walking shoes on right <laughs> yeah i yep. mean yeah it's non-stop really yeah yeah uh, for us um it's like i i mean it got to the point where I, I I hadn't weighed myself in, what, two weeks? And we were down at Fremont Street, and uh, I said to Brogan, hey, you got the heart attack grill there. Uh, they got the giant scale out the front where if you're over a certain weight limit, you get to eat free. It's like, I can see if I've put on any weight, and I think it was saying that I had, and I was yeah. like wrecked. I was destroyed. <laughs> I was like, how is this even possible? But of course, the scales are rigged to try and, you know, it's like- yeah. But you were, yeah. you were really home, insistent. Exactly the same. You were really insistent. And I was like, we we can't do this because this this yeah. will, if I put on weight up, it will fuck me up. And I was, yeah. you were like, yeah, yeah, we're going to go do it. And then you had done it and you were really depressed. I was like, well, now I yeah. have to. Yeah, and no, I think yeah. I was exactly the same. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I feel so, great now. <laughs> Yeah, that means I have to have put on weight then, because when it, when it comes to food and all that, I'm in a different situation to most other people. Because I've mm-hmm. I've had weight loss surgery, so you talk about eating for fuel and eating for pleasure, fun, whatever. Uh, I can't eat much at all, so mm-hmm. I I'm not, but I should be a lot more conscious of eating for fuel because I can eat whatever I want because it's the same portions. I could eat some chocolate. I could eat something healthy. I could eat a piece of chicken. And at the moment, I my weight just does not change no matter what I'm eating. But nice. weight is not a key indicator of health. <laughs> so yeah. uh, if I'm not getting protein that I need, uh, it's it's yeah, it's just a, a different, it's something I'm aware of, but I'm not actively working on (laughs) yeah no and and i mean you're bringing up some really good points like you know when we're talking about weighing ourselves i have a scale in my bathroom that has no footprints on it like because i i clean my bathroom and it's got a kind of a glass uh top to the scale Mm -hmm. and um i i clean my bathroom on a regular basis and i'm not all i'm doing is dusting it off i'm not cleaning any footprints off it because i never use it like, I can't even tell you the last time that I stepped on a scale because for me, it doesn't it, for I think for a lot of people, it doesn't make any sense because it's it's telling you one piece of information that yeah has there's so many different factors that go into that, that it it's not really unless you know exactly what you're looking for. Um, it, it It's not all that helpful. Like for me, because mm-hmm. if it, I, I could gain muscle, lose body fat. Yeah. Yeah. Then the scale could go up. It will go up. Yep. Muscle is more dense, you know? And so um, for me, I, it's it's not about weight. It's more about how I feel. Like yeah. I'm, I've been doing this long enough where I've, I'm kind of in tune with 
how mentally and emotionally I feel when I eat certain things and how I feel when I have been working out regularly and when I haven't. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, I think is the thing that I would like to get all of my clients to that point where they're not, it's, they're not even looking at the scale. They just know that like, oh, you know what? When I have these foods, I feel really good about myself and not just immediately, you know, mm-hmm. because <laughs> you can have some foods that you feel great about yourself right after eating them. And then about 10 minutes later, you crash, right? Mm-hmm. But having those those foods that you can eat on a regular basis that you just kind of feel like, oh, I feel full, but not like drugged down where I have yeah, to like yeah. lay down. Like I, I feel yeah, full, yeah. but active and I can still move like that, I think is some very useful data. So it's again, tying uh, the physical fitness and uh, mental fitness, it's taking an approach uh, based on feeling the same way you could within your own mental status, like being aware and taking stock of how you are feeling, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and a big part of it too is, um, you know, I I have some clients that I I work with that the reason they're working out is to deal with anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, or to deal with stress or to deal with you know, depression, whatever it is. And, um, you know, the, the, the more we learn about the brain and how the brain works, the more we're understanding that it's really most useful for movement. Um, the example that I like to use is the, the sea squirt, which is yeah, a little, oh, the, you know, the marine creature. animal, yes. right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, You know, it's born with a brain, but then once it attaches to something, it stays there the rest of its life, mm. right? So once it attaches to something, the very first thing it does is it digests its own brain because it's <laughs> yeah. not needed anymore. It yeah. doesn't move. And so it's it's kind of this idea that the reason that we have a brain is for movement. So if we're kind of in this society now where like our our brain has developed so much that now we've discovered, oh, I don't have to move. <laughs> you know, I've got, I've, I've invented a phone that I can like call somebody to bring things to me. So I don't yeah, have to actually yeah. get up and do anything. Um, so we've kind of evolved to that point, uh, but we still need to be able to move around on a regular basis and getting mm-hmm. into that regular movement. And, and that really has a huge effect on our emotions and our, our ability to to process stress and to to do all of that. So I think that's you know that's the big push behind what I'm doing is to be able to work with people to be able to to understand like you actually have more control over your anxiety than you think you do. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of the things too that you know that I think regular exercise and working out teaches you is when you kind of push your body and you start learning that your limits are way beyond what you thought they were. And you could actually do more than what you thought you could do. It kind of starts to create this optimism of like, Oh, there's, you know, maybe there's other things that I can do or I have more control over these other components that I thought I was a victim of. You know, I thought, you know, I was, my anxiety was always in charge or my depression was always in charge. And then you start learning like, Oh no, there's some little things I can do to manipulate those things. You know, and it's very empowering. How does that work with something like ADHD in the sense, like I've been watching a lot of stuff on TikTok about it and it's like, with it, you need immediate results. If there's no consequences, you don't, there's no foresight, there's no hindsight, nothing like that. I'm a person who needs immediate results, which is why I 
I really struggle with the weight loss thing because it's just that. I struggle with saving money because I can't see it immediately. It's I, I struggle with a lot of things like that. So how does that yeah. work with the, the exercise thing? You are 100% correct. And here again, we see the parallels between my work in addictions treatment mm -hmm. and fitness. Because uh, that was probably the number one struggle that I had with all my clients when they would come to me for um, you know substance use disorder is if if you use heroin, you get the benefits of using heroin immediately. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> I say that like someone who knows what it's yeah. like to experience. Yeah. I don't. If my mother listens to this. I have never had drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it, that's always been the the biggest battle is. You know, because the benefits of being in long-term recovery, they, they don't happen right away, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the benefits of of turning your life around and getting sober, um, your family trusts you in three to five years. Um, you're able to, you know, find a job in a couple years, mm -hmm. you know, or, or a job you like in a couple years. You're able to save money long-term you're able to build trust with other people long-term none mm -hmm. of it happens like the first day and that is always the biggest struggle for the those people with substance use disorders because they go into treatments and they're like okay i've got two days clean my family should trust me now mm -hmm. like no that, mm -hmm. that doesn't happen so even like with fitness and things like that if if you're i i think what you have to do is you have to you have to look for the small things that do happen immediately. Because mm -hmm. there are immediate effects, but they're not the ones that you're looking for. Yeah. And kind of as the old saying goes, is you find what you look for. You know, if you're looking for certain things, you're going to find it because your brain automatically is tuned to look for it. Mm -hmm. So what we have to do is we have to start identifying small things that you can experience right away mm -hmm. that and actually take note of that. And so this is where kind of mindfulness meditation comes into play um, with working out and, and eating and things like that. Um, one of the things that I always encourage my clients to do is to kind of uh, right after a workout, really do some mindfulness and kind of explore what's happening in your body. You know, like, how do you feel mentally? How do you feel emotionally? How does your body feel? Because your body may feel like exhausted, like you just want to lay down and you just want to pass out. But what else do you feel? Like, mm -hmm. oh, well, I feel really alert. You know, I feel a sense of accomplishment. I feel, you know, all of these little things that if I didn't directly ask you, you would not have recognized. Yeah. So I, I think that's part of the way to get through that until you do start seeing those results. Because mm -hmm. then once you start seeing those results then it becomes a little bit more motivating, you know, and then it becomes a lot easier to be able to fall through with, but you have to have something in the meantime to get you through day to day. Yeah. So that would be my advice is to kind of start looking for what, what really small things do you notice? Mm -hmm. Interesting. So mm -hmm. with the, with the small wins, if it's comparing it to, yeah, so it, it there is definitely a timeline involved um, going from small wins to the big wins. Is it something that typically people notice when it does start happening or is it almost like it's slow progression? So it's, it's like one day it's just kind of, oh, wow, I, things are, are getting better. Yeah. I mean, it kind of depends on the person, but I think for the most part, you're, you don't recognize those small things unless you're looking for them. 
-hmm. Like for me in, in my fitness journey, like I said, I was going to the gym because I needed something to do and that was it. And so I guess this is probably another really good point to bring up is like understanding what your motivation is, because if your motivation is weight loss, then you have to identify some things that are going to get you to that point. Some, Mm -hmm. some things that are going to keep you motivated because it's so like, that's a long-term goal. It takes a long time to get to that. So you have to identify some of those other things. Uh, For me, um, you know, when I first started, like I said, because my, my objective was to get out of the house and do something, I was getting reinforced immediately, you know, Mm -hmm. because it was meeting that goal. (laughs) Yeah. And it wasn't the house. (laughs) Yeah. And it wasn't until later that, you know, um, when I started noticing changes in my body that it became way more motivating. And even that, like, to be honest, I worked out for two years without really noticing any kind of physical effect. Mm-hmm. And that's because I didn't change what I was eating. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's 90% of all of this is, you know, just changing what you're eating. But by that time, I'd been working out for two years, I was already in a really good habit of, of exercise that as soon as I changed my diet, like I noticed almost immediately, it was, a, it was very reinforcing because I got results right away because mm-hmm. I was already doing the work in the gym. I just had yeah. to change that last little thing. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think, you know, if you're going there with the mindset of, I want to lose weight, then I would also add some other things to your you know, motivation. Like what else do you want? Other mm-hmm. than yeah. that, what else would be some nice things to have from getting, from working out? Yeah. So if you find a motivation that is more obtainable or even easily obtainable, it's beneficial to mm-hmm. at least in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, the, I think the biggest struggle for a lot of people, especially when we're talking about exercise and like going to the gym is just the act of going to yeah. the gym because it's, it's, it's a very intimidating place. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've been working out for, like I said, seven, eight years and even when I go to my gym at a different time during the day, I'm intimidated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, and it's like, but when I go in the morning, I know everybody there. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I can walk in there. I feel like it's my home. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like I've got that much ownership over everything that's happening. Um, but if I go in there at six o'clock at night, it's a whole different crowd. And I feel like everybody's looking at me and I feel like everybody is judging me or kind of sizing yeah. me up, you know, and, um, I, yeah, I, I see, you know, these guys that, you know, are, are obviously way stronger than I am and bigger than I am. And like, I just, I, it, I feel like I just want to, I'm just going to go in the corner here, <laughs> you know, in the dark and, uh, I'm just going to do a few things over here where no one can see me. <laughs> Oh, um, Nick, you're the strongest yeah. in our hearts. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> but like, but when I think about it, it's like, it's, it's really kind of ridiculous because it's one of those things that like somebody probably thinks that of me mm. if they show up in the morning. Mm. Right. But I'm not looking at anybody else. I, I don't pay yeah. attention. I, I am, yeah. I'm totally zoned in on what I'm doing. Mm. I, I, no one else even can pops into my head. Right. And I think that's one of the things that like, I like to explain to people too, is, is like, you're not as noticeable as you think you are, unless you're doing some crazy Spider-Man shit on some of the equipment. (laughs) Like, yeah. Like, no one's even going to know you're there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, very different if uh, you're walking down the street and you're silently judging someone as they walk the other way. Right. I mean, I think that's a fair game. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I think everyone is not self-absorbed, but concerned about their own thing if they're trying to better themselves. Yeah. Most of the people, anyway, I imagine. Yeah. It sounds yeah. a bit like it, it, that embarrassing memory thing where it's like you remember something embarrassing you did years ago. You go, mm. oh, my God. And it's like, try to remember yep. something embarrassing somebody else did. Yeah, you know? exactly. You, yeah. you, you, you can't, can't remember that shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, so why do you think you're so important that yeah, everybody exactly. remembers your thing? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I, and, I've I mean, got a couple of examples I'm not going to go into because. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think, you know, like 95% of everybody that goes into the gym that I've met and have actually talked to have been really cool people. Mm -hmm. um, but in my mind, before I actually talk to them, I picture that they're judgy and they're superficial and they're they're just that type of person mm. um <clears throat> but for the most part i mean everybody is very very helpful and they're there to help and and all that but anyway i guess where i was kind of going with this is like one of the first things to do um if you go down this journey is to just start to become familiar with the gym you know mm. and so i always tell folks you know when, when they come to the gym for the first time walk in the door you know set your stuff down and then just walk around Mm -hmm. Just do a lap, just do a perimeter all the way around. And that helps settle anxiety a little bit because now you've, because part of anxiety is kind of this primitive, like I'm in danger feeling, mm -hmm. right? And so if you're in an environment where you can't see around corners and you don't know who's doing what, then you're kind of always on edge, mm -hmm. you know? So go ahead, walk around the room, just kind of become familiar with the room allow yourself kind of that feeling of like, okay, I'm safe. I'm okay to be here and no one's going to hurt me. Okay, great. Now I can kind of focus on what I want to do. Um, so a big part of really kind of getting into routine is just going there enough to become familiar with the place and to feel like it's your place. Mm -hmm. This this isn't a joke because it is very much like uh, me in HVAC commissioning. Um, okay. Because when I do get to a, a new work site for the first time, like when I first started this job, no idea what I'm doing, no business being there by myself doing what I do. It is all overwhelming. There's just so much stuff, so many different pieces of equipment that I have to deal with. Uh, no idea, but I do exactly that. I tr it's the same way as the gym walk in set my tools down do a lap of the site uh, identify everything and i i struggle with anxiety dealing with other people just in, in general and there are so many people on a work site who i don't know never spoken to before i get to do a lap of them sort of try and identify who's who what they're doing it's it's yeah it's solid it, advice it, for the gym yeah it, yeah it's really it's interesting it really works and and the thing is too, is like, if it, if you, if you go and you still feel like you're not getting comfortable there, that's okay. Because like I said, I mean, I've, the gym that I go to, I've been going there for the last four years, I think. Mm -hmm. And I still have that feeling, you know, mm -hmm. it, and that's normal. It's, and it's okay to feel that way. Um, yeah. And then I think the other thing too, is to kind of learn how to be your own cheerleader. Yeah. And when you do mm -hmm. something really well to be able to be like, Hey, you know what? great job. You know, or, you know, days where I feel like I don't want to go work out and I'm just, I just can't get into it. And I just, I don't want to go. I want to stay mm -hmm. in bed. 
if I'm driving and I actually get to the parking lot, I'm in my head, I'm telling myself, Hey, good job. And actually sincerely meaning it like, Hey, mm-hmm. you will, that's a huge, huge obstacle. And you just overcame that, even though it feels like it's nothing, it's a big deal, you mm-hmm. know? And so if I go in there and even if I don't do my workout as planned, if I just walk in the door, spend five minutes on a treadmill, I've done something and that's a victory and that's a success. And you just build off of those. But mm-hmm. if you don't give yourself credit for those things that you're doing, then it becomes really hard to continue to do them because no one else is going to do it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. No one else is going to be like, hey, good job waking up and getting in your car this morning <laughs> and driving to the parking lot. Good job. And it's the same way with like, and again, here's another parallel with my addictions work is I had to tell people all the time, like, you're going to make some amazing early you know, decisions in early recovery. Like you're going to make some key decisions that could make the difference between long-term recovery and a relapse. And absolutely no one will notice you did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you don't congratulate yourself for those things, then you're going to, you're going to feel like everybody, like no one cares. No one cares what you're doing. Like, no people care. They just, they can't see your thoughts. They can't Mm -hmm. see these mental obstacles that you're jumping through. So you have to become your own cheerleader and you have to be able to reinforce those yourself. That's very important. Mm -hmm. So what percentage of mental health care is just talking yourself up? Huge. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I want to save some room for, for like medications, which can be helpful. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, that's that's a lot of what it is, is, I mean, that's really what cognitive behavioral therapy is, mm. is just kind of learning how to do that yourself. Um, it, it, it's unfortunately, I think part of the, if, if CBT has a bad reputation at all, it's probably because it does tend to focus a lot on identifying errors, identifying mm. cognitive distortions. So like, things you're doing wrong, right? Um, and, and I say wrong kind of in air quotes because it's not really yeah. wrong. Uh, but that's kind of sometimes the perception is that you feel like you're always identifying your flaws. Um, but I, I think a big part of, of CBT is also kind of training yourself that, that internal dialogue of being able to recognize like when you do something well, to be able to give yourself a pat on the back and 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 work through that. But I mean, that's, that's useful for pretty much any mental health diagnosis that I can think of, you know, whether it be, you know, attention deficit disorder and like, Hey, you know what? I, I was able to maintain focus for, you know, for the majority of that conversation. Awesome. Good job. (laughs) You know, or, you know, I, I, I just, I feel really depressed, but I actually went out and I went for a walk. I did something about my depression. Great job. You know, and so building that internal dialogue and and being able to reinforce yourself for really good decisions, I think is is necessary. I don't think you can get very far without it. Uh, so tell us a little bit more then as we wrap up about uh, mental fit personal training. Uh, is, is it is it a program? Is it one on one with you? Uh, yeah. What, so what's... great question. So what I do there's two different versions of my program. One of them is in person. So I have a few clients here in Las Vegas that I meet with on a regular basis. And so we go to the gym together and it is a fully guided personal training session. Um, So the personal training piece is really focused on the actual movement, making sure we're doing the exercises correctly, 
Um, you know, some people will work with me for personal training because they, you know, they have a fear of getting hurt. You know, they want to make sure that they're doing the movements correctly. Um, other times they need guidance. Like they, they just need that program to be built so that they can follow through with it. Other times it's accountability. So they know if I'm meeting them there at the same time that like, they can't just be like, oh, I want to sleep in. Well, like, oh no, Nick woke his up, his ass up at 445. So you better be there, (laughs) you know? So there's that kind of accountability to it. Um, but a big part of what I do with mental fit is also the coaching between sessions. So I've got the in-person sessions that I do, and then there's a virtual program that I do. And then, so both of them have, um, guided, uh, training for like going to the gym or the guided workouts. And then the coaching sessions are sessions that, um, we would basically meet over zoom and we can, you know, discuss and we can just kind of talk. And so a lot of those coaching sessions, uh, they're not therapy because I'm not using any kind of therapeutic model or approach. I'm not using any of that stuff that I learned as a therapist. It's it's really just we're identifying some obstacles and I'm helping them you know, identify some ways to get over or around some of those obstacles. So a lot of that time we spend, some of my coaching sessions we've spent talking about just motivation in general. You know, like, you know, I'm really struggling this week, you know, stick into my plan. How do I, you know, and we kind of walk through that. Um, sometimes we talk about people's anxiety about, you know, you know, going to the gym, um, about being around other people, working out in front of other people. Like we talked about earlier, uh, sometimes it's, uh, you know, food related and it, it's whatever the person is struggling with. We use those coaching mm-hmm. sessions to, to kind of work through that. Um, so the, the online program, basically I will build a workout specific to your needs and I have an app that you can use. So you go through the app and the app pretty much walks you through the workout and then you can log your results into the app. I can see on my end what you're doing. Um, and I can, and we can communicate, correspond back and forth through the app. We can send videos to each other, stuff like that. Um, so that, that's pretty much what it is. It's it's just a, a mixture of the personal training and the coaching sessions together. And is this available worldwide? Or it is. is it, I've got, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, I've got that's great. Uh, I've got one client up in Scotland, actually. Yay. I know you're in Ireland, Brogan, but Scotland is nearby. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay, Jacob. Always run a whole yeah. episode. <laughs> yep, I've been waiting for an hour to say that. <laughs> That's perfect. Oh, it's a good thing I love you all so much. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I've got, but yeah. Um, I got people all across uh, the United States that are using the app. And then, um, like I said, Scotland, I feel like I've got maybe a few more else. Canada, I've got some Canadians. So. That's yeah. still North America. I don't count <laughs> Canada as international for you. Uh, the Canada, the Canadians would definitely dis, uh, describe themselves as being <laughs> yeah. separate from the United States. Yeah. I just realized yeah. I know some Canadians and I might get uh, yelled at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, check it out, uh, mentalfitpersonaltraining.com and uh, also definitely uh, Pod Therapy Podcast. We haven't uh, even talked with... about the podcast. No, we haven't. That's okay. That's, <laughs> That's that why is Jim all... covered that. 
that's all Jim could talk about. Yeah. Uh, and if, if you're doing nothing else, for, it's Mental Health Awareness Month still. Uh, if yes. you're doing nothing else for your mental health, uh, be like uh, me and listen to pod therapy and uh, download mental health memes to your phone. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's, exactly. That's, that's all I'm doing at the moment. Uh, <laughs> but no, it, 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 in all seriousness, pod therapy, uh, it's... it's it, it's not just straight up in your face therapy podcast. It's very entertaining, hilarious. It's, uh, oh, I look forward to it every week. <laughs> thank you. Uh, you know what? I look forward to it too. I, I, yeah. I really love doing the show. It is so much fun. Um, it, we, we have yeah. a really good time. When, when we were visiting and you, we were invited to, to sit in on the recording. That was really good fun. Uh, mm-hmm. That was at the first uh, podcast that we got to speak on a microphone while in Vegas. So <laughs> it, it, it was, um, it, it had been a few weeks since me and Brogan had recorded anything <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. good to get back into it. And the, especially uh, with the you guys. Second, the second podcast you were invited to uh, for pod therapy didn't go as well. Yes. Yeah. It's funny because I I listened I listened to your podcast when you got back and you did the recap. Yeah. I started I started laughing out loud because I completely forgot that that you got locked outside. And so I got to I got to enjoy it twice when it happened, and then later on hearing you tell them about it. Yeah. So it was it was wonderful. And I was going to say, Jim, if you're listening, I know you're not, but I'm still owed a virtual and an in-person apology from you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, you can find uh, it's Pod Therapy Guys on uh, the Twitter and the all, all social yeah, media. Much, I assume is all the same. Yeah, I think pretty much all our social media is all Pod Therapy yep. Guys. Yep. Yeah. And if people want to follow you personally, uh, I can see that your Twitter is Nick underscore Tangiman. Uh, or is it Tangyman? I can't remember. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, but, thank you for, for uh, announcing the Twitter thing. Because if you had asked me what my Twitter handle is, I don't think I could have told you. I've got the Twitter page right now. Looking Perfect. at that. There you go. This is, uh, we were talking about it in the bonus content for this episode, but there's a photo of you standing in front of the old Stardust uh, sign at the Neon Museum. You can put that yeah. up on Mental Fit uh, yeah. website. I should. I should. Actually, that's probably a good photo. It, it, yeah. it kind of highlights my ass because if I remember correctly, I'm kind of looking away and kind of like, I'm doing yeah, that sexy yeah. turn over the shoulder look, right? Yeah. That's it. It's it, it's like I know I'm getting my photo taken, but I don't want them to know I know. <laughs> yeah. Felt cute, might delete later. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Profile pic. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, thanks for stopping by and chatting with us. It's, uh, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah. It's uh it's, it's been good. Uh mm-hmm. unlike uh some of the other pod therapy hosts. They they but can't all you, be winners. No, you're definitely our favorite guest, uh, which we say to all our guests until the next guest comes on the show. So you currently hold the title. That's awesome. As long as I'm your favorite guest from pod therapy, that's really the only, that's the biggest accomplishment. That's why I'm here, right? Uh, We we haven't had Jacob yet, so. Yeah, well, don't, because I I want to maintain my title. Hold the crown, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can also follow us uh, on all social media, things like that, um, at NicePodBud, uh, and you can follow Brogan at 7BillionNeedles on social media. And you can follow Wayne at Wayne Jill. 
Is there anyone want to say hi to before we go? Just shout out to your, to, to your folks or anything? No. Hi, God, hi no, mom. Oh my God, no. Hi, Brogan's hi, mom. mom. <laughs> in, in, in that case, uh, thanks for stopping by and having a listen. Thanks. As always, stay fresh, cheese bags. Mm.